If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody, it's episode 358 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Phil Foden of Irish MMA Media, Graham MacDonald, as we talk about a massive night in the world of mixed martial arts that went down on Saturday night. Um, two title fights, Ian Gary fought, Shamaya versus Burns, we'll go over all of that, and there was much more as well, on a, a very noteworthy card uh, that went down, we look ahead to next week as well, there's a big Bellator card uh, going on, I will throw it over to Sean Sheehan and Graham McDonald to talk about that later on, and as well, uh, Luca versus uh, Mohammed, uh, which is uh, an interesting fight as well, so a, a jam-packed edition of the Severe MMA podcast today, and before we get into all of that we must tell you that fellas have you started your spring cleaning yet the carpets need cleaning the drapes need dusting and your lawn needs mowing spring has sprung and the global leaders and below the waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants time to clear out the winter bush and join the four million win worldwide who trust manscape by going to manscape.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma manscaped has a full package for your spring cleaning needs this year the performance package 4.0 is the only tool you will need to keep your boys looking and smelling like fresh tulips yeah uh, that your partner wants to start off spring cleaning use the manscaped lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges do we mention it's waterproof as well you need not worry about watering the grass uh, on your on your tools this week, equipped with an LED light, so you know it's a major asset to the new shower routine. Clear the holes and smell this spring with the weed whacker. Also, it's a nose and ear ear hair trimmer with the proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Also included the crop. Pre- uh, preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant to moisturizer and the crop reviver is a spray on toner for your ball so you can keep them from sticking to your leg and it's fresh like f- the flowers of spring uh, finish off your grooming routine with the plow 2.0 the perfect razor for the finest shave in your face I need one of these lads Manscaped throw me on one of these because it's your uh, lawnmower 4.0 is for your balls it's not for your face you're doing it wrong if you're using it in both I'm sure the start of spring also marks testicular cancer awareness month um in April, Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular uh, Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common uh, form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Shave Balls initiative. Uh, smell also fresh. 
and it's also clean this spring and check yourself before you wreck yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SevereMMANscape.com. It's 20% off and free shipping with that code SevereMMANscape.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life with Manscaped. Right, Graham, let's get a... Let's get so straight. fresh and so clean. So fresh, very <laughs> fresh, very fresh, very clean, beautiful Manscaped. God bless you all. We appreciate the... Uh, uh, the, the sponsorship we appreciate uh, what they're doing as well for the obviously the testicular cancer awareness month and all it's very very good very good fair play to them um, th- there was a lot of balls on show Graham last night there was a lot of balls on show I'm getting straight uh, straight into Shamaya versus Barnes I don't care no bollocks <laughs> in here this I, look when that fight was going on when that fight was just over we will rethink about it down, further down the line but I'm not ready for that at the moment I thought that was one of the most exciting fights I've ever seen. It was, you know, you use that word Jeopardy and you've been, Jeopardy, you've been using an awful lot for the last year or so. This was just full of Jeopardy from the second it started. You, like, it was just, it, it, it was like someone was being up in court and they were about to get like the guilty or not guilty. Like, is he hyped or is he real kind of thing? And I never, I never bought into that in terms of, you know, if you lose to Gilbert Burns, you can still be a very, very good fighter because he's very, very good. As we saw last night, Shemaev could have lost him and he's still a very good fighter. I think win or lose last night, he proved he's a very good fighter. But this was one of those ones that's like, is he going to win? Is he going to do it? Is Burns going to land that big shot in him? Is Burns like just going to get destroyed in there? And God, he damn did not get destroyed in there anyway. It was a very even, very close, very fun fight. One of my favorite fights instantly. And it was just before, I think, that they announced Cub Swanson versus the Korean Superboy was going into the Hall of Fame. And this, it was a different sort of fight, but it was a similar sort of edgier seed fight. You just couldn't take your eyes off it for one second. Just didn't know what was going to happen throughout it all. And that's what we want from MMA, isn't it? I, I loved it so much. Were, were you as big a fan of it as I was? Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. Like, And as you said, it, it seemed like either man could fall at any moment. They were, even when, you know, uh, Shimaev was, was hit with a big shot or Burns was hit with a big shot and rocked, he was still coming, they were both still coming back with big shots and laying it all on the line and both showed huge chins, like loads of questions answered about uh, Shimaev, especially in that second round. You know, we, we'd seen a lot of them destroying people, but we hadn't, the sample size of, um, of the actual time in the cage and, you know, the, the statistic that was going around that he got hit with one punch so far before this fight in his uh, in his UFC career. So this was a completely different fight for him. This was like what we've been waiting for uh, from Shimaev, the questions to be answered. And, you know, he maybe he didn't, uh, you know, blow through the, the opponents like he has been before, but... I, yeah, in the past but Burns is like a real tough test and really put it up to him and you know asked a lot of questions of Shimaev and Shimaev you know just about had the answers in terms of the, the scorecard and it's a really good development fight as well for Shimaev uh, to look back on and to work on and you know Burns really you know there's no taking away from him even though he lost a decision here I'm sure he's you know uh, gained a lot of fans and that fight will be remembered for a long time yeah, and even the way it started with Shimaev sitting on top of the cage before the fight even started, it was it was just brilliant. He was so like, there's no one as cocky as Shimaev. People always talked about McGregor being cocky and confident and stuff. I I don't think there's anyone like Shimaev ever in terms of. It's like, na- it feels natural. Is it? it? Like we've seen natural. people try to do it and it doesn't feel natural. It feels a bit cringe or a bit. Oh, uh, this is forced. But with Shimaev, you know. It seems to be the real, the real personality coming out. It does. He's just, 
he you couldn't be the fighter he is without being that confident <laughs> i think you know it kind of it blends into his fighting style but it, it definitely it's definitely so natural and it uh it nearly worked against him here on in 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 this fight throughout it. Like I started taking notes, and about halfway through round one, I just forgot about it because I got in this trial in the fight. But there was an early takedown from Shemayev, and I think everyone was probably you know going at that stage. Oh shit! Is is this going to be him just dominating again? But you know he was landing the better shots, and um, Burns ended up getting up. And he was countering him, you know. It, even if he wasn't landing the biggest shot, Burns, he was throwing counters, and he was live in there, and it was an a live fight. Uh, Shamayev knocked him down with a jab at one stage. Burns went for uh, an armbar, didn't um, manage to get it. Um, hurt him again. I thought late in the in the fight with a jab, and Shamayev definitely won the first round. But then. All I have in my notes for the second round is pure insanity. <laughs> like, Burns was winning the round, wasn't a mile away. Look, it's hard to, to score because it's so insane. But he knocked him down, like, right at the end of the uh, the second round, even though Shemaev, like, popped back up and hit him with a hard shot as well. But I thought Burns won the won the second round. Like, that shot that he, he landed with, like, I think it was like a check right hook, if I'm not mistaken, but he landed a couple of shots at the same time. Knocked Shemaev down and, like, he face-planted. Like, that could have been... Uh, 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 you know that could have been it and I said it I think it was on the preview show or maybe on the, the show we did that the one thing I wanted to see from the fight was Shamayev hit you know I, I this statistic as you mentioned no, he's only been hit one time in the UFC that's not a good statistic because he hasn't you know he hasn't proven that he can get through it he hasn't proven he can get through a war he can take a shot which is something you you have to prove in the UFC you're not going to live for free forever uh, and he did that he absolutely did it it came out won the first half of the third round it was a very close third round I know some people had it for uh, for Burns but I uh, Gilbert got very tired like midway through the third round I think Shamayev noticed that and decided to kind of down his pace a little bit to try to pick his shots to maybe get the finish. And I think I worked against him because Burns got like a fourth wind and came back and started throwing hard shots anyway. I don't necessarily think he landed a lot of those hard shots. And I, da- I think that's why uh, Hamzat won. He la- Hamzat landed nice. I think it was an uppercut and another left hand maybe or something anyway towards the end of the the third round i think that was enough for him to take it but all in all it was it was crazy did did you have it for hamza and was there anything throughout the fight that that stood out for you yeah i had it i had it for shimaev as well uh first and the third but the third was close you know uh if burns had had landed one of those kind of haymakers that you mentioned he was throwing at the end maybe it would have swung the round and maybe that's what he was thinking but if he had just kind of taken a bit of heat off the the shots and yeah, he he might have he might have been able to land a shot, and you know it was a it, it was a close enough round that he could have stolen uh, the fight in the round or the round in the fight with a with a big shot. So you know he obviously is going for it, and he's very tired. And even at one stage, I wasn't sure if he was exhausted or or if he was rocked in the third round as well. So yeah, I think she may have did just enough, but uh, yeah, uh, I think if you if you're giving that fight to Burns, I think it's it's the wrong decision. Yeah, I think the right guy definitely won, but both guys exit as winners in my mind it was it was brilliant I'd love to see the rematch honestly I think, I think the rematch actually makes five sense. Rounds, yeah. yeah five rounds there's talks of uh, Shemaya versus Colby next one of those uh, ABC cards that are coming up look it'll be a great fight and I would absolutely love to see it but where I am right now <clears throat> I just want to see Shemaya versus uh, versus Burns again even I've been advocating for Shemaya versus Usman for a while and 
Look, I, I think he probably does need another fight before he, he gets that one. Now, uh, you know, based on what we've seen last night, he could do with another war. He could do with another maybe fight where he's um, preparing for someone that good and maybe it can be, you know, more dominant for him, whether that's Colby or whether that is um, whether that is Burns. But how, how do you think a Colby fight would go down? Like, I, I, I'm i interested because Colby's wrestling is unbelievable. Obviously, we've seen Shamaya's wrestling be unbelievable, but... Uh, Shemaev's strike it might be on another level to call me so how do you think it'll go yeah, you know Shemaev mentioned he was tired after after that in his post-fight interview and you know he definitely has really good cardio but Colby has insane cardio and has gone five rounds multiple times and it's kind of his game so you know whose wrestling will be better who's it's, it's really hard to know like I'd I'd probably I don't know I'd need to I'd need to look more into that and you know uh uh, study that fight more but one, one thing I wanted to, to ask you about is like before this fight and, and now is Shimaev better or as good or not as good at this stage as you thought or uh, do you think it's it's hard to make an evaluation because he kind of threw down more yeah. than maybe he should have I think it's hard to see someone go in there and fight Gilbert Burns who is one of the top welterweights in the world and win in like his first test and not say he's better than what we thought before because okay look you can't you actually you know what you actually can't get better than the perception of Shamayev before because the perception of Shamayev was he's untouchable just a destroyer with his hands a destroyer on the ground destroyer in his wrestling so like it, it was almost all on and look unless he took Shemayev down submitted him in 15 seconds you couldn't have increased his his value or increased his reputation I think um, but if you were to think about it like and, and, and actually sit back and assess it and a lot look a lot of people weren't and I'm glad I was on the right side of it beforehand because I said respect Gilbert Burns I said it in that preview show I said it everywhere I, 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 I was, was saying I was doing on the betting show talking about how that betting line was way too, way too much, and I avoided it, and I, <laughs> I stayed away from it because I respect Gilbert Burns, and I, I, I think if you respect Gilbert Burns and you know how good he is, then Shemayev is better than he was before, or should be perceived as better than he was before, because he went in there, he went toe to toe with him, and he ended up winning at the end of the day, and if you're to do that in your tenth fight against this, the third best welterweight in the world, that is unbelievable. Like, that to me is is just insane. As I said, maybe he needs another fight. If he goes in there and he beats Colby, how can you deny him a fight with, with Usman after that? That would just be absolutely insane altogether. So for me, he, his stock went up. What, what do you think? Do you think it went up or no? Yeah, I think in my opinion it went up, but in maybe in the terms of uh, the kind of thing you were talking about where the fans have kind of a lot of fans have jumped on the hype train and kind of made him out to be this unstoppable force that's just going to tear through everything so in terms of that I think they, they're they probably maybe cooling the jets a little bit and thinking that Usman fight or you know maybe it's not as uh, clear cut as we thought <laughs> maybe it's not just a matter of time because like you know as good as she might have looked there I'm still picking Usman to beat him if, if they were to if they were to fight like you know six months time or whatever but uh, you know <laughs> she might have the fight as a pro you know his first huge kind of st- his first big step up to the upper echelon of the division and a fantastic like fight as well in terms of entertainment and in terms of jeopardy and ex- excitement and uh, answering questions and all that so yeah uh, 
he's probably, in my opinion, he he's shown that he he is what everybody or what what me and you or most people thought he was. But for the fans, maybe as you said, you know, this guy who's just going to go in and smash, smash, smash everybody is is probably uh, you know, maybe he will in the future in a few fights time, but he's not quite ready. I don't think. I think it's a, and I, uh, yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think it's about the moment as well for Shamaya because if we look back at this fight in five years' time, we mightn't kind of understand how important it was, if you get me. Like, it, it's a very much a proving fight for Shamaya at this time of his career. And watching it live, it, I think watching it back in five years, we'll still think it's a good fight, but you'll never be able to get back what happened last night and the reaction I think people were having to it live. Because it was literally, you were seeing a guy being proven live before your eyes. <laughs> Which is something, you know, we talk all the time about, and we'll talk about Ian Gary next year. But we talk about guys improving, guys showing, uh, you know, changes in their game and going from a fighter at, you know, four or five fights into their career to a champion-worthy fight, maybe in another 10 to 15 fights or whatever. We saw, like, progression in Shemaev in minutes last night you know we saw it in reality right in front of us and it was it was it was brilliant it was absolutely uh, brilliant Loved one thing it. I'll just say can I reiterate is for his for his team and him that's a great fight to go back 100%. and you know improve even more like it's great going out there smashing everybody getting the hype behind you but fights like that are the ones you you really learn from and obviously you got that he got uh, asked a lot of questions by Gilbert Burns and he answered most of them but there's definitely you know, he said it himself in the post-fight interview is definitely a, a lot tougher than he expected it to be. So these are, you know, minutes in the cage that will stand to him. Like, uh, it's easy to forget how kind of young in the UFC and young in his career he is. 100%. I was watching the fights of Patrick last night and he said it reminded me a little bit of McGregor versus Diaz one. And, the, you know, the, the same thing didn't happen with him getting finished, but it was a little bit like that, you know, this unbelievably cocky sure fighter that knew everything and was never going to get beaten and never going to get hit and suddenly it all goes wrong for him in a way now McGregor wasn't able to survive it but the second time obviously he did come back but Shamaya was able to turn that tide early and I think you know that kind of shows how uh, how special he is and I can't wait for what, what happens next uh, let's talk about Ian Gary as I mentioned uh, it was look it wasn't as impressive a performance for me and Gary but it was valuable time in that cage. 15 minutes for a guy very, very young in his career. Okay, I think himself and Shemaev are they both 10 and 0 now, is that correct? But have, you know, it's obviously have taken very different trajectories. And yeah, I think Shemaev is 11 and 0 and Gary's uh, 9 and 0. 9, okay, sorry. Well, how, did I get, how did I get that so bad? You know? But anyway, they're clo- relatively close enough, but there's no harm. People need to realise as well, everyone's not Shemaev, you know? And Ian Gary's probably her- ahead of most everyone else at that rate in their career. So let count the Jets on that one, first of all. It was, uh, the thing I would take for this, if you're looking at, at positives for this, Ian Gary got a dominant win. One, I think one judge gave him uh, weeks one round. I don't know where he got that from. But to me, he basically won every second of the fight without looking spectacular. But the one thing I think that Ian Gary would be happy with in that fight more than anything else is that in his UFC debut, and he said it to me in an interview, and he said it in other places as well, that he saw Bruce Buffer and he saw his name up in lights and he kind of it it wasn't that he panicked but he kind of it was the opposite maybe he got too relaxed and he's like oh I'm here I'm in the UFC my dream is is ready here I go let's go out and pick up this win and then you know 
four and a half minutes later, he was after getting pucked in the face about ten times from Jordan Williams, and he's like, oh shit, I better start fighting. And look, he ended up getting the finish and all. But as he said himself, to quote Ian Gary himself, it was a shit performance. Last night certainly wasn't that. You know, he came out there and you see him from the very start. He was on it. He wasn't looking up at the lights. He wasn't looking at Bruce Buffer. He was he was on it. He was in that fight from the very, very start and did what he needed to do to beat someone like Weeks. Like, I, I, I'll uh, shout out the preview show again. But, like, that was a fight for anyone who went back and watched Weeks as I did. That You knew it was going to go long because Weeks is very, very defensive as a fighter to me he stands on the outside he doesn't throw much he doesn't give you many chances and he has that wrestling base as well that's a threat to not want you to come in so Gary did exactly what he needed to do he stayed on the outside he threw his jab he threw nice one twos he defended a couple of takedowns in the first round in the second round I thought his one twos down the middle were absolutely beautiful just walked away with that round. And it, it wasn't it wasn't a case of Gary like overwhelming him or destroying him or anything like that. But the fact that Weeks barely landed a shot. He landed one shot. I think that bloodied the nose of Gary. It seems like Ian Gary's nose being bloodied. It might be an issue for him as well. It seems to be bloodied in every fight at, these, at, at this stage. But I think in the third round, Gary looked even better. I think he grew into the fight and looked better as the fight went. Faster hands uh, and hurt Weeks badly at one stage. But look, it wasn't a spectacular performance. It wasn't one of these ones where the high is going to grow but you know what that might not be a bad thing at all Ian Gary got 15 minutes against a good tough test and as I think Paul Felder said it who was phenomenal on the commentary last night the commentary spectacular 100% the best UFC pay-per-view commentary in years absolutely brilliant but he said it's like this is the sort of fight we need to see young fighters now maybe it was even Rogan who said it this is the sort of fight we need to see young fighters in got a good tough 15 minutes not the most spectacular. There's probably people listening to this going, oh, your boy, he was rubbish and all like that. And that's, do you know what? That's what he needs. Because Ian Gary doesn't need people patting him on the back. He doesn't need people telling him he's the best in the world. He needs, you know, he probably needs people telling him he's fucking shit, which, which I'm sure there will be. And he obviously isn't. That, that, you know, that sometimes pats in the back and you're the best in the world and let's go champ are not what some people need and then to get to the next level and to improve. And look, that's what Ian Gary's doing. He's in one of the best gyms in the world, in my opinion, probably the best gym in the world. If you look at the amount of talent that's, that's there right now, uh, and he's going to be improving all the time. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what's next for him. But on, on last night, Graham, I, I know I'm very, look, probably a bit of bias here and I'm taking the positives, but. It, sometimes we do tend to overreact and sometimes we do tend as, as Nolan King kind of said last night on Twitter oh we expect every Irish prospect to be the next Conor McGregor I thought Ian Gary put on a performance last night that was steady smart intelligent and something like McGregor might do later in his career well, you know rather than earlier, earlier in his career but uh, I was I was impressed while obviously not being blown away, but I think it was good. What what, what was your kind of take on the fight? Yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, great to have the 15 minutes in the cage, great learning experience, great stuff to go back with the team and work on. And, you know, if you listen to Ian all week or all month or, you know, all camp, he's been talking about um, learning, uh, learning all the time. I still have loads to learn. He must have said it a a hundred times in in various interviews and, things like that so that's that's great to hear that's what you want to hear and you know fights like this where maybe it doesn't go your own way maybe you get off to a little bit of a slow start again um 
you know, nothing nothing really coming back his way, bar, you know, what whatever bloodied up his nose. I didn't even see what shot landed, but it didn't didn't look like much. It just seemed to to hit the right spot to, to bloody the nose. So uh, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Um, you know, his opponent didn't really want to exchange with him. Was seemed Weeks seemed happy enough to lose a decision, which is a hard fight to kind of, you know, for Ian Gary to kind of, you know, look good in. And he didn't look bad or anything, but he maybe wasn't as impressive as people are expecting. You know, people, you, you said the Conor McGregor thing, and then like even on like social media, Reddit and stuff, there's like, oh, this guy's nothing like McGregor. It's like, yeah, well, nobody, nobody's like, you guys are the only people saying that. Um, obviously, like you know, he's his own individual. He's taking a different path. He's very young in the game. He's very young altogether, like in in age. And you know, fights like this will really, really stand to him. And I think his corner advice is very good. Um, I think in, in between the second round and the third round, where they told him to stop trying to knock him out, basically, and just try to touch him, and you know, just get the jab in his face, and the the shots will come. And once he started doing that, he got into the flow more, and you know, looked more looked more uh, dominant than before. And I think you know, he could have been fighting Darian weeks for 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 weeks, and he you know he w- he wouldn't have been in danger. So uh, yeah, some some good stuff to go back and work on, and really valuable um, in cage time in the. UFC at such a young stage of it's like nine and oh you know started fighting only a few years ago like this this guy shouldn't be expected to you know be in there uh, blitzing everybody uh, it's going to take time and we've seen it with loads of fighters over over the years if you give them time they can they can blossom if you put them in against uh Two to, uh, two uh, tough opponents too early, then it can it can stunt them, and hopefully you know not selfishly for like kind of the plan we laid out from a few years ago in the podcast of kind of taking it slow, and obviously he's in the UFC now and he's not exactly taking it slow, but I think he's he's merited to be there, but taking it slow while in the UFC, hopefully you know the matchmakers are looking at that and and they seem to be for the first two fights uh, kind of. Uh, putting him on a path like we used to see with you know Joe Silva and Sean Shelby back in the day so yeah uh, maybe it's good for for him that he didn't go out there and knock out Darian Weeks and end up in a in a bigger fight too quickly yeah 100% I I, I tend to agree with everything you said there and one one point as well I must make about Ian Gary because it feels like you know, Henry Suda tweeted about afterwards. He's like, oh, I'm not the king of cringe anymore. It's Ian Gary. And I saw a lot of fans like tweeting that during the week as well. And it, it was funny because I did the interview with him and it came out like before all the five weeks stuff. And everyone was kind of saying like, oh, it's great to hear kind of the old Ian Gary back and everything. That and I wonder is a little bit like McGregor in that when he's talking to someone Irish, he sounds one way, but when he's talking to someone American and he's in front of a big crowd and things like that, it, it's, it sounds another way. Because back in the day, listening to like Connor's interviews with Andrew or with yourself or something, I think they always sounded more, be- uh, you know, they always sounded better and more natural and things. And look, that's going to be... Yeah, less soundbitey, yeah. more just kind of natural conversation. Yeah, and I... <sighs> I don't think that is good for like the up and coming Irish fighters, all of them. And it's not just Dean Gary because everyone's just going to say, oh, you're trying to be Conor McGregor. And like every fighter, look, everyone says it now. I'm going to be a world champion. I want to be the best. I want to. And it, at, <laughs> you know, it's hard not to say that because that's probably what they're saying to themselves all day, every day. That's probably what their goals are in life and everything like that. But when the fans hear that, they're just thinking, oh, not this again, you know? And I think. Ingari is one of those lads who has a lot of different things to say, but 
when questions are getting thrown at him like that and they're all like the same questions over and over and over again it can absolutely do that and I think he's very much done the right thing since uh, between his UFC debut and this fight he hasn't really been on social media that much except like he's normal everyday life and things like that he hasn't done that many interviews and all and I think that's the way to go for him I said that in the preview show as well I think he is a guy who as as you said the UFC are matchmaking him the right way or seem to be so far anyway and I think he has made the right decisions in terms of his training for one um, with no disrespect to Team uh, Team K for a very good uh, camp as well but he picked a very good camp after he left him is what I'm saying and he's done the right thing with kind of staying out of the limelight not being 100% in at all times like you know someone like a Paddy Pimblet or others as well he has really stuck to the training and done that. And I think if you're one of those people out there thinking, oh, Ian Gary, you know, he's saying this over and over. And people say that about Kiefer Crosby and they say it about James Gallagher and they say about, I'm sure they say about John Mitchell and they say it about every up-and-coming fighter. And I'm sure, you know, it's it's a thing we're going to have all the time because, look, a lot of fighters are like McGregor in terms of the, the things they say and they think, you know, they, they can copy him and be like him. Not, I don't think Ian Gary's one of those necessarily. But, all of them want to be a champion. They want to be the best. They want to be the the guy. And when they're asked about it, and they say it, you know, we we can be surprised sometimes about it. But it's, I think it's a thing we kind of have to understand a little bit better, maybe as well as as people covering the sport and as as fans of the sport. But I think that's something he's gonna have to maybe deal with. Because I I said it when he signed for the UFC, and I think you said it as well, Graham. That like, it's. In cage wires, all around, it's very much support, support, support. You know, everyone's like, oh, this is going to be the next prospect. This is going to be the next guy. Can't wait to, for him to get to the UFC. And that's not just Ian Gary. That's Paul Hughes. That's Charrier. That's Tarilla. That's everyone. And then they get to the UFC and suddenly they're like, oh, they're all hype. You know, they're next kind of McGregor. They're a wannabe do, do and all you, of Yeah, this. I, I, I do agree with you. But do you think in, in Ian's case that some of the kind of ill will or, or people turning off him is to do with the, the split from, yeah. from the gym? I think the fact that he's not in Ireland doesn't help him at all. And I asked him about that, and he doesn't reckon it is. But it, that can be changed very quickly. We, we see how fickle fans are. If he was to fight in Ireland, or if he was to get a few wins in a row, I think people would probably forget that, to be honest. But I, I, I don't think it's necessarily the split. I think in hardcore MMA fans, it probably is that. But I think with just like Irish MMA fans in general who mightn't you know, know anything about Chris Fields or Tom King other than probably knowing Chris Fields off of Tough or whatever or from yeah, they probably don't even know anything happened yeah. exactly they're probably they're just thinking ah oh, he lucky relocated he'd fall out with his gym and that was that it happens you know it happens with everyone it happened with John Jones it happened with you know loads of people they probably don't know so I I I think it's more that there is kind of a disconnect there. There's more look the fact I said earlier on he hasn't been on social media as much. He hasn't been in, doing interview after interview after interview, which might be harming him now. But in the long term, we myself and Harry talked about it in Speaker's Corner a few episodes ago. That acquisition of skills, he's better off spending his time doing that than he is doing interviews with bums like me and you, Graham. So although you know, keep doing interviews with me, it's like he's won every fight now and he's talked to me before every fight. So am I? Am I fucking um, good luck charm? I don't know. I talked to McGregor before his fight with Cowboy as well. He won that. I didn't talk to him before the, the fight sure, after. You'll have, have to start walking him out just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
me in that corner. Put me in that corner. And also, congratulations, Ian and Layla. Uh, his wife were expecting a baby. He announced it afterwards as well. So what a, what a fucking change in his life. He's moved to America, left his old gym, started a new gym. Uh, got married no yeah, baby life, on the life way. comes at you fast in the UFC oh lord almighty I, I don't envy him I, I don't envy him on that but congratulations and fair play and I'm looking forward to seeing Ian Gary uh, next uh, time out <clears throat> right let me run through the, the prelims here and then we will get to the two big title fights um, Arce versus Santos was a win there for uh, Hulu Arce jab 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 yeah <laughs> and Octagon Control anyone who tells me Octagon Control wins fights look at this one it absolutely didn't uh, in this one uh, Piera Rodriguez uh, won her fight as well she got a, f- a few takedowns from Hansen in the first it was close Rodriguez uh, got the back late uh, in the second uh, none or close round probably 1-1 after that early takedown for Rodriguez in the third and she dominated the rest of around very little in terms of effective grappling or striking for either girl there not a great fight uh, Alexi Olnik versus Vandera Olnik was just throwing bombs early in this one Jared landed a straight right down the middle and Alexi Olnik ended up pulling guard Jared hit him with a bit of ground and pound but he, and he took the back almost yeah, at one stage But it looked like he was he was kind of hurt and gave it the back and you know it looked like it might have been a submission against Olenek but yeah. you know he's just so wily on the ground and he just has crazy uh, <laughs> kind of old school uh, ways of, of reversing and he's happy to kind of be on his back he's, he's from an older generation that we don't really see anymore where you know getting hit and ended up on your back isn't necessarily the worst thing <laughs> yeah 100% he ended up getting the back himself then he got into mount and then he transitioned into the side control to get the scaffold and uh, and that was that and it was a great uh, video afterwards of him uh, showing um, Vandera how to do I, d- I don't think he was showing him how to do the scaffold necessarily but he was showing him how to do the Ezekiel choke and it was great to see afterwards so fair play um, Garl versus Mallet then um Gal was getting hit a bit early, got a takedown, no good. Malakot got back up, uh, and then he slept him with a clean left hook after a couple of right hands. Uh, ref was a bit slow, I think, to finish that. I wouldn't mind seeing Mallet versus Gary. What do you think of that one? Oh, sorry, I was muted there. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's that's a good fight. You know, uh, as I said, I don't want anything moving too fast, so I think that makes a lot of sense. Let's do it. Uh, Lad versus Pennington. Round one was slow, but then they kind of got into it. Rocky was winning early, then Lad was winning. Uh, not a great fight, to be honest. Uh, Lad got a takedown, third one that round, 2-1 to Rocky. That was all you need to know. Fluffy Hernandez versus Frimmed. What a fight this was. A massive page from Hernandez early. Nearly got a couple of guillotines. Um, Frimmed was landing shots, though. And I don't so many, you. so many choke attempts. So many choke attempts yeah. <laughs> He's like, I am choking this guy, and it wasn't to be. <laughs> Not necessarily. Mark Montoya, I thought, did a great job of calming him down in the uh, in the middle of the after the, the first round, but before the second round. Uh, but Fluffy immediately got a takedown in the second. Uh, Frimmed in, in, ended up getting on top, though. Got a guillotine, was looking for the arm triangle as well. Um, and he probably won that round. But Fluffy Hernandez came out and got a takedown in the third. Big slammed in as well after that. Uh, he was winning the scrambles. He took the back. His cardio is just too much. This guy's cardio is insane. And I think it'll take him a long way in that division. And Frimmed was absolutely wrecked at the end of the third round. And Fluffy was still going. I'd love to see him over five rounds. Obviously, then we had Gary versus... 
versus Weeks, uh, which we spoke about. Pichel versus Madsen, very close fight throughout it. I thought Madsen looked way better than he, he did previously. What, what, yeah. what did you think of it? Uh, I thought Pichel threw it away. Um, he seemed to think he had the fight won after the second round and was kind of like celebrating already and uh, was over enthusiastic about getting involved in uh, grappling sequences, I think. Uh, if if he had Marco Madsen tired, then you know he could have picked him apart in the feet on the feet and won the decision. But he he, he just overdid it. I think uh, got too confident and blew it. I think both of them were so tired in that third round. The takedown for Madsen was almost inevitable. I I just don't. I think when Marco Madsen, his striking has looked better, but I just think he he doesn't go for the takedown enough. This guy's a three-time Olympic wrestler. Like go he for even the got takedown taken down himself. Uh, he did, yeah. At the end of the second round, momentarily, anyway. So yeah, I, I, look, I think we've spoken about this before. Even though he's younger than Michelle, he needs that jump now, and this was a good jump, and the Guida fight was a good jump, but he needs another one, and I'd like to see him maybe getting someone in the top fifteen. Uh, but uh, I think it's it's time for a, another. Yeah, uh, it's a good win. Like it is yeah. probably time. You know, somebody low in the low in the rankings. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, then Dern versus Torres. First round, very close. I gave it to Dern based on the more impactful shots. I thought she was landing more. I know the graphic came up and Torres had like landed 15 more shots than her or whatever, but Dern was yeah. to me, clearly landing the harder shots. Yeah. What, what do you think of It's kind of like pitter patter shots, a lot of them. Uh, it was a close round, but I can see why maybe people were, you know, there's a lot of times as well where. Probably, I'm going to mention it in one of the later fights where the commentators kind of or the crowd react to a shot that isn't that big maybe or a sequence or a combination that doesn't really land and maybe that gets put into people's head as, as landing but uh, yeah I thought Dern did enough in that round but you know maybe if I went back and watched it with a, with a fine two comb maybe I'm wrong where would one get a fine tooth comb? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those, uh, one of those John Watch Gooden anachronisms. Ten right? percent speed. <laughs> yeah, uh, you used to do that before, didn't you? Like during a good slow motion. Watch yeah, it, sometimes yeah. watch it back in like twenty five percent speed if, yeah. if just to see exactly what happened. Yeah, uh, Dern got a body triangle, or sorry, flying triangle in the second, and then got the body triangle standing. Almost got the Kimura double wrist lock at one stage. Um, she, do you know what it's so frustrating with McKinsey Dern as as a proponent of jiu-jitsu like I am to, <laughs> to see her getting to like this locked on fucking leg lock position she's deep deep in the hips and she just takes her time and just sits there and sits there and sits there like fair enough if you're a minute into the fight and you sit there and wait and wait and wait and boom take her time She's, there's 45 seconds left on the clock she is deep on that leg go yeah. for it she's acting like it's a 20 minute jiu yeah, match here or something exactly she's acting like it's fucking Heist Gracie at UFC 6 or whatever it was you know oh my god it was it's so frustrating she's done that before as well and she's ended up losing fights because of it and this was this was so frustrating with McKinsey Dern look even though she did look uh, much improved I, I I said it before but McKinsey Dern sometimes she comes out and she, her striking looks good and she looks like she will keep going for a takedown all day which she did here a little bit more uh, but you, I, I have no faith in her to do it the next time again it, I don't know it, it feels like McKinsey Dern needs about 20 more fights before she'd be where we need her to be kind of because she's a very good athlete she seems to be improving with the striking as I mentioned obviously her jiu-jitsu is unbelievable but look this is a big win Dern won the third round she landed a hook kick she landed a bit of an up kick as well but McKinsey Dern has a lot of learning to do and I think Torres Torres won the third round sorry what did I say Dern, yeah. Dern, yeah. Torres won the third round, yeah. She she was the one who landed the upkick. And the, uh, I actually have it Dern here in my notes for some reason, but I'm an idiot. But yeah, it was obviously Torres. But yeah, 2-1 to Dern. Uh, then we had uh, Burns versus Shamayev and the, the two title fights. Um, 
let's talk about Yan versus Sterling first. I'm I'm almost not ready to talk about this fight. It was it was insane. Look, it, it all came down to the first round, I suppose. Um, the second round, we we go back to the first round. In the second, the second round, Sterling uh, ended up getting. I think it was a single leg. Got his back, and he was dominant there. Um, it was. Yeah, Yan, Yan gave up his back pretty quickly. I, I was it surprised did. he didn't. He didn't like kind of, you know go all out to, to not give up his back but uh, obviously Sterling is extremely you know we've it's seen it before I said it many times <laughs> I said it he's jiu-jitsu seen it, but the fight. his back taking is you know like on a very high level even even for jiu-jitsu guys in the UFC so uh, maybe that was part of it but it did seem like Jan gave it up a little bit easy and in the third round as well yeah, yeah. Look, Yan did defend well when it got there, but like anyone who's watched that Magomed Magomedov fight, you would think that Yan wouldn't give it up that easy. But he did. Like it wasn't necessarily that he gave up the takedowns that easy, but when it got to the ground, Sterling took him really, really well, and I think that was something he had worked on going into the fight, obviously, and it was something that he knew was the winning or losing of the fight for him. And we look, I talked about that coming into the fight, but I thought he would need the finish because to do it over and over would be hard. But he was able... And you know what? They, they said it like midway through, I think it was the fifth round, that he'd only gotten two takedowns in the whole fight. So it wasn't the thing he did over and over, really. Yeah. He just did it twice. Once, yeah, once he got him there and he put on the body triangle and basically stayed there fishing for the, the rear yeah. naked choke. And it seemed like maybe Jan had like in the training camp had been like, okay, if I'm, if I'm getting taken down, he's probably going to end up on my back and I'm going to defend the rear naked choke and... He just basically went into defense mode, but uh, it seemed like, you know, he could have avoided being like controlled for three to four minutes of, of both the second and the third round. But, you it's, know, doesn't it really go to our point as well, though, you know, where we always say keep going for that takedown. If you're a wrestler, if you need to fight to go to the ground, keep going. Like he was, I think it was two of 19 on his takedowns and it, those two won him the fight. Like, I think more fighters need to do that. They need to, if you're going to win the fight on the ground, concentrate on that takedown. Keep going for it. Don't just give up on it. If you have 10 failed attempts, go for the 11th one, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we don't see the body triangle enough as well. Yeah. It's it's so much more secure than the hooks, you know. Uh, timed, timed correctly, people can spin in your hooks and end up on top, or they can kind of peel your feet uh, one foot out and, and spin then. Uh, with the body triangle, uh, it's, it's really difficult to get out. Uh, and Jan was kind of turning... Uh, the opposite way than the he was turning towards the knee putting his rotating his body towards the knee maybe it was Sterling doing that controlling his body but he needed to kind of put pressure on the ankle and he wasn't doing that and if your opponent's not doing that you know Sterling's happy to to hang out there for three four minutes and hope you make a mistake and choke you out if you do and yeah it, I thought in the second round when he when he got the the back with so much time that it probably would end up being a rear naked choke finish but in fairness to Yanni he, he showed he has good very rear, well. rear, very, rear, uh, very good rear naked choke defence and toughed it out and you know he, he seemed to think that he'd won the first round so you know um, you know maybe that was playing into his head as well and obviously in in the end on the, on the, the judges scorecards he didn't yeah so Sterling the exact same he got a double leg in the third round on the back for the whole round. Jan was on top then for most of the fourth round. Didn't land much, but won the round. Uh, and in the fifth round, Alja almost got a takedown, but Jan got up. Jan landed a hard knee that stung him. He controlled him on the ground for a minute. Alja missed the takedown, but held on with Jan on his back uh, as the uh, round was coming to an end. I th- look, I think it was a Jan round. Not not a blow away by any means. Like The, the second, third, and fourth were very clear. The fifth, I think, was a Yan round as well. It was that first round. Like honestly, I'll have to go back and watch yeah. it. But at I think the time, I, I think the first round was the only one in dispute. Yeah. Like, uh, Did I you? Who did you score for? I actually 
scored it for Sterling. Uh, I think I think the commentators at the very end, at the like literally one second ago in the first round, the commentators kind of screamed and the crowd screamed as if Jan had landed a big punch. But like from what I saw, that punch didn't land. If it did land, it was like landed on the arm or the shoulder or the glove and didn't do anything. Yeah. And before that, Jan was basically just following around, not really effectively cutting them off, letting them kind of circle and eating the odd leg kick. And even in the first 30 seconds, ate a couple of half decent body kicks and ate a couple more and didn't really return that much. I think he landed one decent body kick himself and the rest of the body kicks he threw were, were reaching. I think a lot of his uh, Jan's punches were reaching in the first round. Uh, he couldn't get it. He couldn't get to Sterling. Sterling was moving too much for him and uh, did, I think Sterling did just enough with the, the the tiny bit of success he had with the leg kicks and the body kicks and you know the punches either way were nothing landed clean and in my opinion I, I think Jan made a critical error in that round as well he stopped switching stances to cut off Aljo with the hook you know as Aljo was going one way he was hooking with from one stance and as he was going the other way he was hooking from the other stance and I don't know why but he stopped doing it in the middle of the round and I honestly think I think that lost him the fight because if you land a couple of those hooks and maybe even one rocks him a little bit. You probably win that round if you're Yan, you yeah. know. If that punch landed that the, the commentators in the crowd seemed to think did at the very end of the round, it was yeah. more the, kind of the excitement and swinging probably from the crowd. But the commentators kind of, oh, big, big left or big right. I can't remember which one it was from Yan. It wasn't like, but if that was, that probably would have stolen the round and the fight and the belt. So like, this is a razor close round and a very razor close. close fight. Very, very, very close fight altogether. And it's one... Look, you, you have to be happy for Aljamain Sterling winning it afterwards because everyone, look, we doubted him. I didn't think he'd be able to win the decision. I think most people didn't and he went out and he did it and he put on a very, very good performance and, you know, you have to commend him on that. Of really good stuff. I, I, I thought it was a terrible performance from Jan, honestly. I didn't think he fought well at all. He didn't... Get didn't any, get going until the fourth round. Like, it, yeah. I don't even think then he got going. Like when when did you see Jan landing any of his big impactful shots we talked about last week? The, the way he would win the fight. He yeah, but he's worried about the takedown by that stage. Like very, yeah. he knew how critical like you know was to not get it taken down again. Yeah, it, it really was. Yeah, and that deficiency, and not deficiency, but the disparity in the jiu-jitsu games between the two of them. I think. Uh, look, Shani called it. Not to say I'm a genius or anything. Not to say I'm a, a jiu-jitsu genius or anything, but. The jiu-jitsu was the difference at the end of the day, and I, not all jokes aside, I actually think it was. And uh, it was great for Sterling to be able to get it to that area and dominate in that area. But uh, So, actually, how did you score the fight? Did, did you score any 10-8s? I know some people are scoring 10-8s. Or did no. you have it 48-47 Sterling? I had a 48-47, yeah. I had uh, all the, like, you know, Sterling had dominance in terms of position in, mm -hmm. the, in the rounds, but he didn't, I, he didn't do, do enough, I any didn't serious get... damage, you know like, what's funny, uh, any overwhelming, you know, damage. On, on MMA decisions, I was the only person to score a 48-47 Sterling. I thought that was crazy. I thought, like, and most people had Sterling oh, really? winning. Yeah. yeah, I was the only person. That was, I thought that was mad and there was like 15 scores in or whatever like most I, people I thought it was pretty clear cut 48-47 either way well, oh me too yeah because it could have went either way but like exactly, I thought yeah. that was basically down to the first round yeah who won. Uh, loads of people gave a 10-8 in the second like that was not a 10-8 by any means like, I, I didn't even think about a 10-8 honestly and before the change you know people the don't know the damage just what damage was there there wasn't yeah, there was a bit of damage late he did land some nice stuff late and you know in the thirds but just but holding more than, someone's like, more back more than a normal 10-9 round no. 
you know. No, there was, there was nothing. Holding someone's back for the whole round is not going to win you a 10-8 these days with the change. Like, it's change now where you have to have overwhelming damage to get a 10-8. And now we're in Florida, so may, we'll probably have to consult with the judges or, or with the commission. They'll probably never tell us. But the judges are judging that way these days in America. Um, you're not going to get 10-8 rounds like you got 10-8 rounds before. You have to note that and you have to talk about it that way. I was very surprised that, because I, I don't know, the people get carried away maybe or something, but there was there was no 10 8 there. Even before the adjustment, I wouldn't have given a 10 8 in either of those rounds. But yeah, it was. Like he wasn't even like in close to any finishes in no, terms of Rinnick no. chokes. You know, he didn't have the, the arm under the chin at any, mo- at any time. Like it, there was no substantial damage and there was no. Uh, oh, he was about to finish the fight, but he was saved, there was a save by the bell. There was nothing. There was nothing there that would would have made me even consider look, a ten eight. If you look at the three Ds, as, as we always showed her beforehand, we should have looked at as well. He had the dominance and the duration, but he didn't have the damage enough. Like, and look, you consider it. Obviously, you can absolutely consider a ten eight, but I don't think he had enough damage, especially with the way the damage is being scored today. But that that's a, I suppose another point uh, for for another day. But great stuff for for Sterling. Once the fight, TJ. TJ Pillishaw next as he called him yeah. hilariously after. Simple but uh, yeah. effective. Very effective, yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I don't. Consult yeah. your doctor before. Uh, Consult your doctor, indeed, indeed. Be fun. Um, the main event then was was not as even a fight as, as that one. It was a domination, a destruction, a coming of age. Even a fight. <laughs> it, you know, it was it was so easy for Volkanovski. He was just so much faster. He the the one thing on the first line I have in my notes here. And I think it says it all about this fight. He was landing both in attack and in defense. <laughs> because every time he went forward, he's able to land. Every time Korean Zombie land, uh, went forward, Volkanovski was able to land as well. He got a, a takedown in the, in the first round. Zombie did get back up, but he was landing those like, sliding left hooks throughout the first round. Zombie landed a couple of front kicks at the start of the second, and that was really it. Volkanovski just too fast, slipping out again. That that like just a step slip outside of range to get away from zombie every time was just fantastic um volkanovsky hurt him badly in the second um but zombie did land the counter volkanovsky got a takedown then another one late landed a few hard shots zombie was more confident i thought in the third but it actually it kind of caught up with him uh there was a takedown in the middle of the round but that korean zombie stopped it in a heavy knockdown late that to me was a 10-8 because you had the dominance you had the duration you had the yeah. heavy damage late and um, I thought he was finished. Like I thought yeah. the ref could have, like you know, it was borderline, but it could have been stopped. You know, maybe because his name is Korean Zombie, and you know, you've seen him in kind of wars before. Maybe that plays into the the refs. Uh, you know, if it's smiling Sam Alvey instead of you know the Korean Zombie, maybe maybe the ref would have yeah, stopped yeah. it. But uh, yeah. you know, uh, it's obviously a title fight as well. So you you know, this probably be the Korean Zombie's last title fight, and you give him every chance you can, and you know, he's got styled on basically like maybe there was one moment I'm not sure if he clipped uh, Volkanovski hard or not when Volkanovski kind of uh, seemed to be dominating the striking but then kind of went for a series of takedown attempts maybe he clipped him harder than, than it looked in, in, in that moment but besides that he was trying to like take one to give one, but it it just he was just getting outclassed. Out out out. Uh, the speed was just too much for him. Volkanovski was basically able to do whatever he, whatever he wanted and was able to just style on the Korean zombie. Yeah, an absolute domination at the end of that fourth round. Sorry, the end of the third round. Uh, there was people kind of calling for the stoppage and the corner stoppage. As you said there, you, look, you have to know your fighter. You have to know the stage. It, it is his last ever title fight. It is the Korean zombie who's come back from. 
absolute you know beatings before uh, and won. So I I had no issue with them putting him back out there for the fourth round. But I was you know we've was criticized her before, yeah. but great stoppage from her. Really Dean. good stoppage. Great yeah. stoppage. Yeah, and he look he got hurt with a couple of shots, but before he took any major damage, Herb Dean get in there. Just he, he didn't even stop the fight. He just stopped Volkanovski. You know I think mean? like uh, he didn't say it, Herb Dean, but I think I don't know what show it was a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago. I think it was Mark Goddard said to the fighter, maybe I'm balls in this yeah, up a little no, bit. You're but right. He said he to the fighter, uh, yeah. if this looks the same as as the rest of it, if this if you don't change how this fight is looking in like you know in the next 30 seconds seconds, or whatever like this is over and he didn't say it to Green Zombie but after that I immediately thought of that and thought yeah Herb Dean probably thought to himself like if this doesn't change like and then there was a clean one too and it was like alright this is this is enough that might not necessarily be like rule book refereeing but it was smart common sense and that's what you need in that and look Herb is Credit where credit's due, he got, he got the right decision here, absolutely, <laughs> but uh, still doesn't make him the best uh, referee in the world or anything like that, but a very good decision here. It, it's, it was a hard fight to credit Volkanovski after, because you kind of just felt so bad for the Korean zombie in a way, but Volkanovski, this guy is an absolute monster, he's such a great fighter, like... Uh, Adesanya I think is still above him on the pound for pound rankings and I don't know how this guy is 10 times the fighter Adesanya is He and I have a lot of respect for Adesanya I think he's very good but he's so well rounded he's striking Oof, 10 his, times somebody, somebody put me right an article about that do it do it <laughs> fucking you know they'll be in the mirror tomorrow or the sun or one of them uh, but uh, oh, he just he, like he has the wrestling he has the ground game as well he has it all he just has it all I love watching Volkanovski and this this was your... It, is it enough for people outside of the hardcore fans to, to care? Do you think this is, you know, a moment where... Fuck you know, him. A, I don't a care about guy, him. But, uh, you know, I'm sure he wants to... Volkanovski wants to be <sighs> respected and kind of, yeah. you know, lauded for his skills and not be kind of forgotten about. <laughs> and, uh, oh, him, oh, yeah, yeah. Who's he fighting? Oh, I can't even... Well, like, we people went, don't even know he's champion. Or We went through you know. years of that with Demetrius Johnson. And, like... Why give a shit about those people? Dimitri Shanton's one of the greatest fighters of all time. And, you know, he, his UFC career is ended now. And should we not have appreciated that while it was going on? Just because some fucking casual fan in America didn't care about him? Fuck that. Like, let's yeah. appreciate a great fighter for a great fighter. Oh, yeah, we can. We, we definitely do. Like, we've been talking for years about, like, continuously uh, before his fights about how underrated he is and how people should be excited because, like, all this stuff. But, uh, you know... In terms of in terms of him, you know, he's kind of flying under the radar. Even though he's, you know, he's going out there saying I'm the I'm the best UFC featherweight champ ever, and he's well on the way to proving that. Like if he keeps going, like there'll be no there'll be no arguing. Like and um, you know, it, it, it probably just is another thing. Like you mentioned with Demetrius Johnson, where it's the lighter weights and people just don't just don't care as much for some unknown reason that's yeah. beyond me he's beaten Holloway twice and you think that look it's probably because yeah. of but like every time Holloway fights people can't shut up about how brilliant he is and, that's and fair enough is. like that's people great people like Holloway but, and yeah. because they, they beat you know they, they, they robbed their, their guy Holloway that's probably a reason why they don't like him maybe so Maybe he needs to get robbed in a decision uh, <laughs> to get people <laughs> yeah, on board. Probably, it probably, probably would happen. But um, yeah, what, what, look, what a, a great card. An unbelievable performance from Volkanovski. An unbelievable performance from Sterling and a great win. An unbelievable performance from both Burns and Shemayev. Ian Gary gets another win and a very solid performance there. So, you know, McKinsey Dern takes a step forward. So all in all, a, a good uh, card for the UFC. 
before I hand it over to Sean Sheehan to look at next week's um, cards, uh, there was a bit of an Irish MMA update as well. Andreas Binder beat Ross the Macman and knocked him into next week with a, a ferocious right hand and then maybe about three or four shots too many on the ground. The referee could have been in there quicker. Poor Ross the Macman. He's been knocked into the, the dark ages by both Ian Gary uh, and Andreas Binder at this stage. A very, very good performance, Andreas Binder. I saw a few people saying they'd love to see him on Cage Wires or something like that. I would love to see him. Get him on that Belfast card. It'd be absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I, I'd throw him right in there against one of their very, very good um, you know, prospects at, at, at Welterweight. I'd love to see him there. So a fantastic performance there. And Shauna Bannon as well, the severe amateur fighter of the year from last year. She won her pro debut uh, after weekend. The f- you know she obviously came out throwing that front leg side kick and the hook kicks and everything like that. The fight quickly went to the ground though, but she ended up on top, and she was the one who got a bit of a hip toss. Won the, won the fight on top in the first round in the second round got on top again and ended up getting the finish with ground upon there so very very good win um, Cage Legacy the results are up on SevereMed.com now from Queen Shibara who was on site uh, last night at that card so if you want to keep up with Irish MMA uh, check it out there and check out the old Triangle podcast as well to have a full breakdown of that uh, next week so uh, we will leave it there and I will throw it over now to Sean Sheehan to look ahead to next week's fights Shani Take it away. Thank you very much, Shawnee. Okay, let's talk about uh, some of ne- next week's uh, mixed martial arts. Obviously, we have a big, massive Bellator card, which has completely flown under the radar altogether. Uh, we have the UFC fight night as well. Uh, let's talk about the, the Bellator card first, Graham. The, the big, massive Bellator card, you mean? <laughs> Why? What did I say? That's what you said, the big massive Bellator card. Yes, the big That's massive Bellator card. That's what it should Bellator be known Bellator. as, the, 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 the big massive Bellator card. It's, no, 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 it's not Bellator 277. It is the big massive Bellator card next week with uh, AJ McKee versus Pitbull. Uh, the undercard is maybe not as good as normal Bellator undercards, but you you could forgive him. Uh, I I haven't actually gone through and looked through every fighter yet, but there's uh, I'm sure there there are a couple of uh, of standout prospects there, but there are a lot of like oh, there's like a one and zero versus zero and zero guy, there's a two and zero guy versus an zero and three guy, there's a one and zero guy versus a four and five guy, an zero and zero guy versus a one and two guy, so. Uh, I don't see it. Maybe there is one of those lads who are, are a standard. I know Tyson Miller. Uh, he's at two and zero now. He's fighting someone who's on three. Uh, he he on Gracie, uh, and he's um, you know he's had a couple of good wins on the, the, the Gracie local team. zero and three. What, what? that what? makes that makes no sense. Surely you mean three and zero? No. <laughs> What with jujitsu working so well? It 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 would almost. He's have wearing to be, a gi bro. in his profile picture on and topology counter. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, your man, uh, he's out of the the same gym as Caspell. Do you know that like the hundred and thirty five pounder? Uh, Tyson Miller is in uh, in Bellator, so uh, you know uh, Brian Moore was calling him out and stuff. So he, you know he's up at one fifty five, one seventy. I think this fight is at one. This fight is at one seventy. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to maybe see him, but. This is all about the, the the top few fights and some very very good fights. Um, uh, Yakshimuradov, who I've watched a couple of times fighting for Bellator, he's fighting Tony Johnson now. He was uh, supposed to fight who is he? He was supposed to fight someone else anyway, and that fight uh, that fight is gone, and th- th- that's the fight that's happening now. He's a pretty good fighter, although he lost out in the tournament, so he kind of uh, has to work his way back. Raheem uh, Cleveland and uh, Tyrell Fortune at heavyweight is you know. All heavyweight fights in Bellator are kind of not, not kind of heavyweight contender fights, but um, 
Fortune lost last time out to Vassell and Cleveland uh, he lost last time out to Steve Murray who for me is the biggest heavyweight prospect in Bellator by far so that's kind of a fight to, to kind of get back into uh, the runnings there in, in that division you have Daniel Carey against uh, Gaston Bolaños uh the, the guy I just previously mentioned, Linton Vassell, he's fighting Tim Johnson. You could really see the winner of that fighting the winner of Czech Congo and Ryan Bader for the title. Uh, three in a row now, Linton Vassell has won. So he's on a, on a Actually, very, very good before run. Before you go on, I don't know if I've told a story about Linton Vassell before, but uh, it's, fu- it's funny. Uh, his training partner at the time, Fraser Opie, was fighting. This is fucking, I don't know, 10 years ago on a cage contender. And we were in the car. I think we were giving them a lift to the weigh-ins or something. It was that like fucking... It wasn't organized that everybody had a bus or anything. So for John Ferguson was like, oh, these guys in, in, in your car. And we were like, ah, yeah, go on. And it was uh, Fraser Opie and his two coaches. And, and we were kind of, oh, so like, how's Fraser looking and all this stuff? And how are you feeling, Fraser? And the coaches just like, were basically just like, oh, this is, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, but this guy Linton Vassell, like this guy in our gym, Linton Vassell, they just like completely dismissed Fraser Opie. And we're talking about Linton Vassell. This is years ago before he'd really made like a name for himself. I just thought that was funny that basically like he was sitting there about to fight in cage contender and his coaches were basically like didn't want to talk about him at all wanted to talk about uh, their other uh, heavyweight prospect Linton Vassell they, they probably heard your media members and were like no wait hold on here's, <laughs> here's, here's, the, here's the good guy you need to you need to pay attention to that guy but uh, you know they've been right too haven't they he's had a pretty good career he's been around yeah they were right yeah I just thought at the time it was pretty funny with Fraser Opie sitting right there in the middle of the back <laughs> oh, of the car he was like, there now like, yeah he was there yeah he sandwiched in between the two coaches <laughs> Poor lad. <laughs> That's not very nice. There's, there's always that. Oh, there's the next guy in the gym. There's always been that in, in MMA. And, you know, he's he's the next one. There's probably someone else after. But anyway, yeah. the next guy was, for uh, go on. How are we going to say? I was going to say it's unrelated, but an, another story of fighters being in our car, being uh, getting getting lift away ins was a uh, John McGuire and um, Luke Barnett um, and another guy who's uh, in the gym. I'm not sure if he's a fighter or just kind of a gym guy. And uh, it was before the Dave Hill Connor McGregor fight, and they were like, "Oh, this Connor!" They were talking down Connor so much. They were like, "Oh, Dave Hill's going to destroy him and all." And myself, my 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 mate Mooney was driving this like tiny little fucking banger, and they were all in there. And Luke Burnett's like fucking seven foot tall as well. It was like something out of the fucking Simpsons. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> well, that there, there are some good stories back. I remember uh, when we went to the myself and Patrick went to the Cahill Pendred uh, Shea Mills fight Shea Mills like walked out in the road in front of the car when we were we were driving up we nearly fucking caused the main event to be taken off by driving into one of the fucking main event fighters but, uh, we nearly killed yeah. Yeah, Cahill's uh, <laughs> fake UFC contract yeah. that he got if he finished Shea Mills his UFC dream but uh, yeah the only time I've ever travelled with someone was um Kyle Pindred and Chris Fields got on the Lewis when I was on the way into the Wayans for the that first UFC and uh, I remember Patrick like won the UFC game off of Kyle he got like some free ones and Kyle was like I'll send that on you there and so as he was going in for his way he was making 185 at that time so he was uh, you know he was a little bit uh, a, a little bit more on it I suppose he didn't have too much weight to cut but anyway we could tell a thousand to these stories Greb um Let's get back to the card. Aaron Pico was supposed to fight Jeremy Kennedy on this card. He's only pulled out a couple of days ago, and he'll be now fighting uh, Adley Edwards, uh, who is taking obviously taking a fight in short notice. But he's a pretty good record, 9-1. and one. Um, He hasn't lost since his third fight. This will be his Bellator debut. He's fought in... Yeah. He only fought... Um, he was, he was fighting kind of not very good guys up until, like, you know, his last two fights, he fought a 5-1 and one guy and an 8-1-1 one and one guy and beat them both. So, you know, his last two fights. But before that, he fought a 1-5 and five guy, you know, in his seventh fight. So, 
this is definitely a big step up against Aaron Pico. You know, the the records may look similar, but we all know the the prospect that Aaron Pico is. You know, he, he's he's your boy, Sean, isn't he? he well, he I, I'm interested to see what Aaron Pico does because I, I talked to him before his last fight on the, the Bellator Media Day, and I kind of I kind of said what we were saying on the podcast about him that he's one of those guys that came out too reckless at the start of his career. Then I almost think he got not reckless enough if you get me <laughs> like the, uh, that, that's not the right phrase but you I get you get what I mean like he was too he was trying to stick to being uh, a good basic fundamental fighter which is great as we spoke well, about with some of the natural thing I'm sure though yeah. like when you just get sparked and <laughs> you, yeah. you're like oh I'm this wrestler and everybody's like oh why wasn't he wrestling and you're just like here I'm gonna you know strike less I'm gonna play it safe as you say and it was probably a smart thing to do and he's built himself back up and you know they didn't give him easy matchups uh, even even off his losses, uh, they they could have given him easier layups if they if they wanted to, and you know he's he's worked his way to to nine and three now, and it is it, it you know obviously his fight fell apart here, and he's expected to go in here and beat Edwards, but hopefully after this you know ten and three, hopefully he can make a step up and we can see what he's really made of because I'm I am very interested to see I don't I don't want it to turn into a, an MVP thing where he you know he's fighting these guys nobody's ever heard of for years. I want to see him step up and I think you know an impressive win here even though it isn't against the opponent they wanted it, it, it is time to start you know fighting more well-known quantities and good more uh, higher ranked guys yeah I, I agree with you but I do give credit to Bellator for taking that step back with him you know I think the matchmaking of Aaron Pico since that last Adam Barrocks in 2019 has been the right way to go about it you know they tried to send him to the moon. He lost to Corrales, he lost to Barrocks, he lost obviously Freeman in, in his debut. Um and it look it didn't it just didn't work out well for him. He turned into a four and three fighter to start his career when everyone was calling him, you know, the the, the greatest prospect in the history of the sport and everything like that. It it just didn't work. And you know, sometimes the greatest ha- prospect in the history of the sport needs two or three years to become that. And Aaron Pico didn't get that. But I'm glad Bellator have kind of stepped back and given it to him now. Like, Aiden Lee, a couple of fights ago, was a good test. Justin Gonzalez was 12-0 coming to the last fight. And he caused him a little bit of problems. And as I was saying, with the kind of the adjustment of the style, I feel like Pico, that's probably a performance he won't be as happy with in terms of, like, not getting hit and being ca- not being as careful and not being maybe as fundamental in his last fight. But in a way, I think it'll actually serve him well. He kind of needed to get hit a little bit. He needed to come through a little bit. You can only be so fundamental. You can only be so, you know, d- defensive is the wrong word, but you get me. You- you're going to get hit in MMA, especially if you go to a higher level. And, you know, you're calling for him to have a higher level fight, and so am I, to be honest. But to have that, you need the ability to trust in all of your abilities whether that is the the offensive abilities with kicking and punching and wrestling and jiu-jitsu and all of that or your defensive abilities stopping all of them but also your ability to take a shot and your ability to be in a bit of a firefight because sometimes you can't stop it you look your whole game plan might be to stop it but sometimes you're going to get drawn into it and you need to trust yourself you need to be um Ha, you, you know, you can't have those nightmares in the back of your head of getting flying kneed by Adam Barrocks and getting knocked out by Henry Corrales and Zach Freeman. You can't have that. You need to get hit a few times. And you also, if you want to be a top, top fighter, 
You need to get a bit of aggression in your game, if you get me. Like, you you can't just be a good basics fighter. That won't take you all the way. You have to have a bit of dog in you. You have to have a bit of dirt in you as well to, to get to the very top. And I think Pico showed that in his last fight. And I'm, as you said as well, Graham, like, it's unfortunate the Kennedy fight fell out. But this is still, I, I think, a good test. Uh, it was literally, I think, only announced last night when we were recording this. So I haven't seen much of your man yet or anything. But he only fought what, a week ago on that XMMA 4 card. So he'll, you know, he's just come out of camp. He'll be ready for this fight. And I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's a big opportunity for him as well. Because, look, we've seen what's happened to Armand Pico in the past. And he's getting t- taken out by people. So, you know, if um, if uh, Adley Edwards can come in here and, and land a few shots at him, he might fancy uh, himself to make an aim of Armand Pico's also. It's definitely one to, to look forward to. Um, the two top fights, then, uh, Vadim Nimkov versus Corey Anderson to end the tournament for the uh, 100 and or 205 pound title and AJ McKee versus P- uh, Trickio Pitbull for the 145 pound title in the rematch of their very quick fight from uh, from last year. Let's talk about Nimkov versus Anderson first. Um and look Corey Anderson has had a, a phenomenal run since uh, since he's gone to Bellator. Uh just uh, look I think in the UFC he showed glimpses but in in Bellator, he is obviously look Melvin Manov a bit of a layup for him. The Akshamuradov fight was a good matchup for him, but Akshamuradov is a good fighter. And then Ryan Bader last time out knocking him out in fifty-one seconds. Ryan Bader, it did look a little bit like the ghost of Ryan Bader, if I'm uh, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But Bader did go out and win a heavyweight title fight after that, so maybe not so much. Whereas last time uh, Nimkov almost got knocked out by Angliscus, but did go on to win that fight in the fourth round beat Phil Davis and Ryan Bader before that, uh, beat Davis a couple of times, in fact, and, and Carvalho and McGeary uh, in there as well. I, th- I You know, go on, just before you, you go on, yeah. like, on his day, as you said, on his day, he is a handful for anybody. If you look at, uh, the, you know, the champion in the UFC, Glover Teixeira, his, his last loss is to is to uh, Corey Anderson back in 2018. Uh, you know, it was a decision. I'm trying to remember exactly what happened to the fight, but I can't really recall it too much. But that's a huge win. You know, he, he yeah, yeah, he's not maybe that consistent. He, he went out there and got knocked out by uh, by Jimmy Manoa and, you know, lost to Ovin St. Prue. And, but, like, these guys on their day as well are good fighters. And obviously he lost to, to Jan, Jan Blakovich as well. Blahovic. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, Melvin Manhoff uh, wasn't uh, the hardest fight coming into Bellator, but he got it done uh, stylishly there. And as you mentioned, like beating Ryan Bader, uh, he made Ryan Bader look terrible. Uh, <laughs> we were thinking Ryan Bader was finished, and maybe he is finished at uh, at that weight, but he still uh, he still he showed he can still do it uh, at heavyweight anyway. So he's maybe not as uh, as not as uh, much of the ghost of Ryan Bader as you said uh, as as we thought so yeah this is this is a really tough one to to pick like Nemkov is on a serious run as well you know beating it's really hard to look good um against Phil Davis and maybe he didn't look good but he beat him he beat Lee McGeary you know he beat um he beat Bader uh, himself as well so this is a really tough fight to, to call it you know might not be the most exciting fight it might be you know very boring even but uh yeah, it's a really tough one to call it. Probably lean towards Corey Anderson, but yeah, it, it'd probably be a close decision, I reckon. I, I think I'm leaning towards Corey Anderson as well, to be honest, even though I've, I have great respect for Nimkov and his game. I just think maybe Corey Anderson's variation might, might win the fight for him. Now, Nimkov can hit very hard at times as well, but he's not... 
He's not a massive knockout artist. He doesn't have the fastest hands in the world, but he's a very good, straight-up technical boxer. If he needs to take you down, he can take you down. But Corey Anderson is very good wrestling as well. It's going to be hard to take Corey down. It's going to be hard to take Nimkov down. I, I do fancy this being like a five-round stand-up kickboxing match, or as, as long as it lasts. And I, uh, it's difficult with Anderson as well because of the level of competition I suppose he has had recently in Bellator. As you say, Graham, he's, he's fought some way better fighters in the UFC, but it, will that level of competition actually have, or the, the level of wins, I suppose, uh, have kind of upped his confidence and he will go in here and, and kind of go in fast and take out Nimkov? Or will it have kind of lulled him into a false sense of security and he goes in there with someone who I think is a genuine... Uh, you know, one of the top fighters in the world. Like, like heavyweight is a funny weight class because, you know, sometimes being the the, the tougher, grittier, more uh, well fundamental fighter, if you want to put it that way, if that's a word, as we've seen in the UFC over the last couple of years, has been the way to get to the top. It's not always the big, tough, athletic guys. And, you know, we'll, we'll see, uh, I suppose, as well, with Prohachka coming up, getting his uh, chance at the title, if, if that'll quickly change. But... I think this is an interesting one. Now, I, I I think it's a very 50-50 fight. I haven't seen the betting for it yet, but I'd be surprised if there's too much in it. I'm just about going for Anderson. I could change my pick by the time the fight comes. But I think it's I think it'll be a little bit more exciting maybe than you think. I, um, I, I think there will be some letter exchange in this fight. I think, you know, you could see both of them getting hurt. I could see some big shots landed throughout the first couple of rounds and then maybe someone taking over as the fight goes. Also, I'd be very interested because if you look at um, if you, if you look at Nimkov's record over the last few fights, the Anglicus fight, I think Anglicus kind of got tired in that fight. The Bader, the the debater fight ended in round two, as did the Carvalho fight. The Phil, Phil Davis fights are a bit weird because it feels like you don't need as much cardio for Phil Davis fights as you do other fights. I'd still kind of question if it's a war over five rounds and a close war, like those some of those fights I mentioned there, he was it was him dominating. If this is a close round, close fought fight over five rounds, it'll be very interesting to see both of their cardios. Who maybe wins that fight late? If it go if it's two two gone into it, will it be Anderson and will it be Nimkov? Yeah, like Nimkov's power could tell at that point as well. I, Look, it's it's a very very intriguing fight to me, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. I think you know Bellator have said they have the best 205 pound division in the world. You know, taking shots at the UFC, and you whether you believe that now or you don't, that's up to you. But uh, it's a very good fight, a high level fight, and definitely one you'd see. You could see at the top of the UFC card. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And speaking of fights, you could see at the top of the UFC card, a UFC card even, AJ McKee versus uh, Patricia Pitbull. Obviously, the the first fight. Uh, ended very quickly. AJ McKee hurt uh, Patricio and ended up choking him out with a guillotine inside of two minutes after uh, not to win the tournament after beating Darian Caldwell and Campos and he beat Carcanyon and Curran and Daniel Crawford and but before that and our own, very own Brian Moore here over in Ireland uh, as well. You know Patricio has been on a run beating Pedro Carvalho and Emmanuel Sanchez a couple of times beating Michael Chandler uh, as well and Henry Corrales and a few more. Do you think it'll be a different fight this time Graham or do you think AJ McKee will, will get him out there early again uh, yeah I think it probably will be a different fight I think it may go much longer it may even go to a decision uh, I see AJ McKee winning and, and taking over but I, I see Pitbull being a bit more wary early of the striking and kind of trying to figure out AJ McKee on the feet and not really committing to much and maybe it'll lead to 
some some close early rounds or some not not so exciting early rounds potentially as well. Uh, I see it going longer definitely than the first fight, but you know. Pitbull hits very hard as well, and AJ McKee showed that he can, you know, he can stand with the best of them, uh, and he can he can finish when the opportunity arises. And we, we've seen his grappling in the past. He's he's really really a uh, good grappler, obviously, uh, especially offensively. So uh, yeah, uh, Pitbull could you know land a big left hand or something like that, and it could change the the fight. And that could be early, but. Uh, I see AJ McKee winning this fight. I see him probably winning a a, a late, uh, a pretty sizable decision in the later rounds, or uh, taking over in the later rounds, or getting a finish in the the later rounds. Yeah, like if you look at last four fights for AJ McKee, three of them have been won by submission. And George Carcanyan, he finished him with ground upon early, obviously after that uh, that big left hook early. So even if you discount that one, three you know triangle armbar that that mod- neck crank from the guard and in the guillotine of Pat- uh, Patricio as well you you know you'd look at AJ McKee and okay I think he's kind of seen as this well-rounded MMA fighter but mostly kind of as this varied stand-up fighter who throws at all different angles and is the new breed of fighter but he's very much uh, a finisher with his jiu-jitsu as well and that's a massive part of his game that I think people kind of maybe have overlooked you know he's uh, choked out Daniel Crawford with an anaconda choke as well he got, you know that Brian Moore fight he ended up getting a win with the rear naked choke there as well you know and maybe he didn't have uh, as many finishes earlier in his career you know, his first five fights were all won by uh, uh, he won one by submission but the rest were won by uh, by knockout or, or yeah, all by knockout so he's one of these guys that I think you have to look out for on the ground as well but it was funny talking about the first fight, uh, the, the the question I asked you there, will you get to finish early? The first fight, I think most people are saying, if it goes long, it'll be McKee, and if it's early, maybe it'll be Patricio, and it turned out to be the opposite. But I, I don't know. Look, both of these guys are finishers. Both of these guys are top, high-level fighters, um, and I'm, I hope it goes a little bit longer, so we see a little bit of a, you know, a, a, a good fight this uh, this time. I suppose not to say the last fight wasn't good, but it was a, it was a quick fight that we didn't see much of. Um, look, I think AJ McKee will have to be as I mean, I mentioned the word varied a few times in, on this uh, recording already, um, and I think that's when he needs to be against Patricio. Like Patricio comes in. He very much throws that jab and throws the right hand down after, right down through the middle and hits you hard and you know it and you can feel it. And that's the type of fighter he is. Um, and it, look, if AJ can avoid that, if he can avoid taking that f- right, uh, right hand over five rounds, I think he'll probably win the fight. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this time, if... McKee kind of implemented a little bit of wrestling, especially early in the fight. You know, if you take away that power... Uh, from Patricio, you you take away a lot of his chances, as I just mentioned. And if McKee, like, so so sometimes you go into a fight and you are kind of expecting a big long fight. You're expecting a war, and then it ends as quickly as as the last one did. And it's hard to know what to expect in the next one. I think in that sort of situation, you do what uh, Christian Leroy Duncan did last uh, last week in the second round, and you go out and you go immediately for the takedown, and you kind of take away the speculation. You know, you you show your opponent and you show the world what's going to happen in this fight and that you're going to dominate and that you're going to take this fight away from your opponent and I think that might be something that AJ McKee might do now it may, it's not that easy to go out and uh, take down Patricio but I wouldn't be surprised if, if he did that honestly but on the feet 
<laughs> who do you think is better on the feet, Graham? Because they're, they're, they're different type of fighters. Like, McKee, I think he throws, like, more high kicks and more flying things. But he, he can go punch for punch, jab for jab, you know, straight for straight down the middle as well. But that is that can be a dangerous game against Patricio. Yeah, like if it was a pure striking match, I'd probably say uh, Pitbull, but with the the threat of the takedown, with with everything mixed in, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say Pitbull after what happened in the, in the first fight. But it was such a small sample size, and kind of selfishly, I would want to uh, see this fight go a bit longer just to just to see, you know, more of where AJ McKee uh, is at. Uh, in terms of his all-round game, see him put in a few uh, bad positions, maybe, and you know, see what happens there. But um, yeah, on the feet, it, it, it's really hard to tell. You know, it's it, as you said, it's two contrasting styles, and uh, you know, both guys are really quick, and both guys are really confident in their striking. Like uh, AJ McKee showed no. Um, you know, as you said before the fight, people were kind of saying it as grappler versus striker, but he showed no uh, trepidation in going in and striking, and he has full confidence in himself. So I expect that to to be the case again here, and maybe a punch will change his mind and he'll go more to the grappling, or maybe the game plan will be to grapple more. But I don't see it being, I don't see it being, um, you know, a white, whitewash either way. I think it's, uh, you know, early on, obviously one of the guy, one of the one of the fighters could land a big punch and put somebody away, but. As the fight goes on, I don't see somebody dominating on the feet, but uh, with the threat of the takedown there, maybe maybe AJ McKee does have a bit of an advantage. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, as I said, I just hope it goes a little bit longer. I I would be, I think I'm big in AJ McKee as well. Um, maybe a, a late finish to a fourth or fifth round, but uh, it's going to be a top fight. Like, this is one of the best fights. Bellator and Banan, we said that the last time, we'll say it again this time, and it'll be very interesting to see where both guys go after this, like if Patricio loses here, um, his brother is the champion at the weight class above, and now he'll have lost twice to the champion, so it's a very difficult position for him, whereas, you know, if, if for AJ McKee, if he loses, okay, maybe you have the trilogy, and maybe it's a little bit easier, but there'll be a new opponent, there's always talks of AJ McKee to the UFC it seems but as, as a champion in Bellator that's going to be a little bit tough but uh, yeah it's, it's a massive fight for Bellator hopefully the, the promotion gets going this week because we really haven't heard much about it to be honest uh, like their their biggest fight of the year and we're hearing very very little about it but maybe they're waiting until uh, obviously after the last night's big UFC card to uh, to start that but uh, yeah very interesting card there and I can't uh, can't wait for it Graham uh, we also have um a not great card I'm not going to lie in, in the UFC next week um, I'll actually have a couple of Sherdog shows coming out on this and I went I went through you know uh, the prelims and, and the main card all the fights there are some good fights in this I'll give you a couple of things that I think stand out for me one standout fight is obviously William Knight and Devin Clark at heavyweight Devin Clark has fought the who's who a phrase I absolutely hate but anyway in uh, light heavyweight and he's going to they're both caught up now and short notice to fight at 205 William Knight or at, sorry, at 265, William Knight, a very, very good takedown artist with a big right hand after it. Um, and William Knight is is a guy, you know, the big muscular animal who will be going out there trying to knock the head off Devin Clark. I think he'll get taken down a bit in that one. Um, Gordon Le- uh, Jordan Levitt, even, very good wrestler. There'll be a slam in that fight. He's fighting Trey Ogden, who is uh, the Fury FC lightweight champion, I believe. Uh, so that'll be a fun one. Alating Haley, I was very impressed watching him. He's fighting Kevin Kroom out of uh, James Krause's gym. Um, Estela Nunes, who's a two-time Brazilian Muay Thai champion at 6-2. She's fighting Sam. 
Sam Hughes, who's lost, I think, three in a row now in the UFC. Uh, so it's a big fight for uh, Penny Kanzad against Lena Landsberg. Uh, Philip O'Connor will be watching that one, I'm sure, from out in Sweden. That's a big fight uh, for that country. I think Penny, Can- Penny Kanzad will be favoured for that. Lena Landsberg, she just seems to get into clinches in all of her fights. And if she can avoid that against uh, Penny, it'll probably be a bad time for her as well. So maybe she'll be looking for it. Um, Chris Barnett is back. The, the the most fun guy in the heavyweight division. He's fighting uh, Martin Boudet, who won. Uh, he's fighting the Contender Series. This guy is, you know, a big heavy heavyweight, but is a very, very good fighter. And he looks like he could be a guy in a few years' time that we're talking about, kind of climbing the ranks, maybe like uh, uh, Sergei Plavlovich or someone like that. Uh, whereas Chris Barnett, he, you know, we saw him knocking out um, John Valente in his last fight with the big spinning wheel kick. Oh, what a guy he is. Uh, Jesse Ronson's back after uh, failing the USADA test against Rafa Garcia. Two hard-nosed uh, 170-pounders there. Dragar Close against Brandon Jenkins. I think that's going to be a walkover for Close. Pat Sabatini, a fantastic wrestler, fighting TJ Laramie, who was 16 fights, Graham, at the age of 23. This guy is uh, a highly lauded uh, Canadian prospect I don't think he's that good though I think Pat Sabatini is going to beat him Andre Filo who fought um, uh, Miguel Pereira last time out is fight- fighting Miguel Baeza a great fight absolutely loved that fight uh, very impressive Wan An Yu as well she's fighting uh, Maria Abuino Silva Wu uh, uh, was a very very good striker uh, Munir Lazez what a fight that is against Zelecki, uh Dos Santos I absolutely love that fight uh, both guys I feel like look Zaleski can fight on the ground as well and has very good submissions and everything like that but I feel like both guys are just going to be throwing bombs on the feet uh, in that one uh, Kaui Barello uh, Bajayo he's in, even Bajayo Bajayo um, is a 10-1 Brazilian karate, karateka and he's fighting uh, Gadzi Omar Gadziev who is a 13-0 Russian wrestler so you can probably guess how that one is going to go and in, in the main event Vicente Luque against Bilal Mohamed in the rematch Vicente Luque absolutely not Bilal Mohammed into the next fucking realm in their first fight but that was a long time ago they've both changed an awful lot since and they're both very different fighters well, how would you think that one will go Graham that was, that was the best breakdown of a fucking card I've ever done in my whole life but I'll throw it over yeah, to you for the did, it like, did it like great speed as well brilliant yeah. doesn't it <laughs> You're a real pro. Uh, yeah, and you'd heard of some fighters I'd never heard of. So uh, Well, I, I, I'm just only because I have to do it for sure, and I can pay to do it. So I'm like, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. You can take the compliment anyway. Uh, yeah, Bilal Mohammed and Vicente Luque. Um, it's, a real, it's a real tough one to call this one. You know, as you said, but I think Bilal Mohammed is probably, you know, evolved more. Uh, since the first fight but he is smaller I think than Vicente Luque and Vicente Luque does have a lot of power and uh, you know I've a lot of people have been talking about Bilal Muhammad as a potential you know title contender back in back back before and uh, I never really saw a lot, saw him like that and I think you know a lot of years have passed since then, since then and he's kind of reinvented himself and he's got some good wins but you know, Damian Maya and Wonderboy Thompson are his last two wins, and you know they're a bit over the hill. And to be honest, uh, maybe Stephen Wonderboy Thompson situation that's a little bit harsh. But with Maya, I think that's that's fair enough. Uh, with Thompson, it's kind of trending that way anyway. Um, wow, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you'd agree, though. No, yeah, I think unfortunately after that one, I, I would agree. Yeah. You know, and before that, like Diego Lima, Lyman Good, Sato, Curtis Melander, like they're they're decent wins, but they're you know you're not um 
they're not exactly the who's who as you were saying earlier um, of the division so uh, yeah I, this is a tough one to call I think the you know the win over Tyron Woodley you could say the same thing about that, that for Luke you know it's maybe not the same win as it was a few years ago but he had a very nice win over Michael Chiesa so uh, I'd probably just lean towards Luke he's beaten him before and he probably beat him again, but this is this could be a really close fight. This could be a this could be a five round decision, or you know, this could this could uh, this could go either way. Yeah, I, I think I actually had Spencer on me for the the preview, and we we already did it, and it'd be out during the week. But he was kind of saying on that that um, or ideaing on sorry with me, and he was kind of saying that the rise that Balan Muhammad has made since the first fight his fight has been way bigger than the rise Lucas had to make because they were at such a differential uh, di- they were so different in terms of level in the first fight but who has reached a higher level at this time and I think that'll be interesting to see I would tend to agree with you I think it'll be Luke as well uh, but like the thing about Luke, he's such a finisher. I think his best shot is almost when he's countering when lads are pushing him back, and everyone tries to push him back. And I'm sure Bilal will do the same. He'd probably even try to take him down like he did with Wonderboy in his last fight. But look what happened to Michael Chiesa when he took him down. You know he got submitted. So Bilal, or, or, uh, Vicente Luque can finish you anywhere. I think Bilal is going to have to fight a very safe and a very good fight. Um, Look, you can do that in all areas, I suppose. But which area do you, do you do it in? I think in the stand-up, I think Bilal Muhammad actually can outstrike him for large periods of rounds. Maybe not, you know, may, maybe not large periods of the fight, or maybe not uh, multiple rounds. But even if he does, I think the power on Luke might be an issue. You know, we know how judging works. If you land you know, one or two powerful shots in the round, even if your opponent has won the rest of the round, you're going to win it because yeah. you've... Landed. Like if, if Balama is on his bike, you know, throwing leg kicks and jabs and keeping away and he gets hit with one big shot, then yeah. he's probably going to lose the round. Exactly. And that's the way I think it could be for Vicente Luque. And I, I agree with you. So I think it'll probably be a longer fight. Um, and I... I could see a late stoppage. I, I don't know why for the last few weeks I've been thinking a lot of late stoppages here. Maybe uh, maybe we'll end up getting one this time around. But yeah, I, I think, look, Bilal has improved an awful lot. And if he if he can get his wrestling game going here and he can stay out of danger of the submissions, you know, he could absolutely tire Vicente Luque out, get a late stoppage himself or win a decision. Or uh, Even if he yeah, needs like anything. Yeah, I could see a scenario where he's stuffing the takedowns early and then... In the third or fourth round, yeah. Mohamed gets one and Vicente Luque doesn't get back up or he does get back up and looks exhausted and the fight turns from there. You know, that, I can see that happening too. Bilal has great cardio, like, and he's not one of these guys who gives up on things either. He'll keep going, he'll keep going, he'll keep going. So I think it'll be a, I think it's a very interesting fight. And look, there are ways for Bilal to win. I think there are probably more obvious ways for Luque to win, but obvious isn't always the way it works out in, in mixed martial arts. So we'll have to tune in uh next Saturday night to, to see how that one goes um, alright we leave it there Graham thank you very much for joining me thanks everybody out there for listening if you're listening to this on SoundCloud or Spotify on Podcast Republic iTunes wherever please just hit the subscribe button if there's a thumbs up there hit the thumbs up uh, wherever you are just just do that it's free It'd be, we'd be delighted with it we'd be very very grateful uh, and if you want more Patreon, we have that as well, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. It's only a five or a month. Um, it's it's great. Honestly, I put a lot of work into it. Uh, the, a lot of the lads put a lot of work into it as well. And as well, the um, 
the UFC preview show we do every Thursday. I think it's going to be midnight uh, Irish time from now on because Ian runs that and he's over in Canada. But wake up Saturday morning, or sorry, Friday morning, listen to or even Saturday morning as well, listen to it before the card. It's uh, That preview show is, is really, really good. And obviously the old triangle as well. Check out that. You'll find it in all your podcast apps and on the Severe MMA YouTube as well. And also the Severe MMA YouTube. There's so much stuff on that over the last couple of weeks from myself, obviously, interviewing Conor McGregor to Jack Shore. Uh, talking to uh, to Harry, to Miles Price, who has a fight coming up. There's an Ian Gary interview up there with uh, with uh, uh, T.O. And there's loads more stuff as well. We have an absolute pile of stuff on our YouTube. If you're not subscribed there yet, please do. It's it's free, as we all know, and uh, yeah. you can get the a lot of stuff The preview shows that we put up on this feed, uh, mm-hmm. obviously most people subscribed on SoundCloud would have got it. Uh, a lot of people listen elsewhere as well. So if you didn't, you can... Uh, join us before nearly all all pay-per-views and all pretty much all cards all UFC cards and some other uh, promotions big cards as well to preview the the cards with uh, usually four or five guests on there and you can obviously pre- you can um, get the audio version on the same feature listening to this one indeed 100% uh, alright we believe it there everyone thank you very much uh, for listening I appreciate every one of you the summer is coming it's getting warmer so I'm sure you'll be out maybe driving around on, on a Sunday or uh, going to work on a Monday listening to this so uh, have a great day everyone appreciate it and Graham leave us with your uh, your quote for the week ok super frank super frank Super oh, Frankie Lampard. Why would you do this? <laughs> why would you do this? I had just forgotten it, and you bring this up. Come on, City, let's do it. Come on, I'm going. I'm actually going to watch the match here in a couple of hours with two Liverpool fans. So <laughs> this should be fun. But come on, Phil Foden, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. All right, we'll see you, everyone. Good luck.